It's Friday the 17th of June. This is the Climate Alarm Clock. This week's main story, extreme weather in Europe and the US. And also coming up on this week's show, we find out about Not Here, Not Anywhere's campaign to keep Ireland LNG free. We chat about the work of Antashka with Dr. Elaine McGough. And we learn about greenwashing from Tom Spencer. Hello and welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock, your weekly Irish climate news podcast. I'm Dara Wynn. And we have made it to the season two finale. We are delighted with the work we've put into the project in the last 10 months. A team of dedicated volunteers have put out a climate news podcast in 22 of the past 37 weeks with excellent contributions from our collaborators and the many experts and activists we have interviewed. And if we can do it, why can't RTE and all the other uh, media outlets in Ireland? Very good question. Uh, We have some brilliant interviews to come in this week's episode, but now, for the last time this season, it's time for our news roundup, and I am joined by Anna Pringle and Kira Daly. Anna, how are you keeping? I'm just great, Dara. Congratulations on getting us this far. Thanks for your leadership in making the podcast happen. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, thank you. uh. And Kira's back. Uh, And Kira, how are you doing? I'm good, much like uh, climate change is chasing us, COVID has finally caught me, but I'm in good spirits, back, happy to be back with my, my two pals today discussing the end of the world. Woo! Yeah, <laughs> great, great to have you back, great to have you back, I'm Kira. sorry you're sick, Kira. Ah, oh, it's okay, I'll get through it, I'm sure, with the company of you two, two fantastic fellows. Um, how has your experience been of the whole season, Kira? It's been... <clears throat> Interesting to say the least. I feel like there was a few weeks there where I had a good run where I was getting really engrossed in it. And then the last couple of weeks with being off, I've had a bit of a break. So I feel like I'm coming back in a little bit less assured of myself that I should be involved in the conversation. But I think I have an awareness that that's actually something I'm going to go through for the rest of my life and that I have to. <laughs> just get used to that and get involved and get talking and not just get talking, get actually bloody doing something. Great stuff. Great stuff. That's quite quite deep to start us off, Kira. Yep. That's good. <laughs> That's all I have to contribute after Rem- that. I'm remember when silent. she used to talk about Real Housewives and keep it light, Anna? Remember that? Oh, my moment will come yet. Um, <laughs> so we'll jump into our news roundup and we're basically just looking at extreme weather that we're seeing around the world, in particular in the US and Europe. And Anna, you're going to start off by telling us about the Arctic. Yes, real housewives of the Barents Sea region in the Arctic. <laughs> um, now, new data, it's not, it's, new data has been released that is showing what they're calling extraordinary rates of global heating in the Arctic, up to seven times faster than the global average. This is happening in the North Barents Sea. And the, the challenges with this are that not only is the temperature going up there, but that has a massive effect and triggers increases in extreme weather in North America, in Europe and Asia. Um, and it's an, you know, what researchers are saying is that it's an early warning of what could happen across the rest of the Arctic and also of the imp- implications for everywhere, basically. So not good news. No, it's now the North Barents Sea and the islands there are now the fastest warming place known on Earth. Fastest warming. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So this is looking at data over the last couple of decades. And it's showing that temperatures are going up there by 2.7 degrees per decade. 
2.7 degrees Celsius per decade. Yeah, and and what the researchers are saying is that the the feedback of that melting sea ice is higher than has been previously shown. What do you mean by the feedback? There are certain sort of feedback loops in the system. Um, So if sea ice is not there to reflect heat back into the atmosphere, then the earth absorbs more heat. Okay. And then it gets hotter and then there's less sea ice. So it's kind of a vicious circle, if you like. There's less sea ice, there's more heat, there's less sea ice, you know. So eventually they expect that the Arctic will be ice free in summer, which is a very strange prospect, really. Um, But and so the, the, the scary part, the scary part from this research is that the, the, it's higher than they previously thought and the study is showing that the, the best models have been underestimating the rate of warming there. So Anna, do you want to then... <laughs> so we're not saying that the weather we're seeing now is directly related to this, but all, all things are linked in, in some ways. Um, we're just seeing absolutely crazy weather across the US. Yeah, like there was a series of unfortunate weather events in the US in the past week. Um, and where to start? Like the... There's a heat dome building again um, with heat waves across basically the whole whole southern half of the US, um, which they're used to heat in deep summer, but it's much earlier than usual and hotter than usual. What do you mean by a heat dome? A heat dome is like, it's, it's, like, it's what happened last year in the northwest, Pacific Northwest. It's when the heat builds up and it doesn't move. It so it sits there for longer than it should. So this is one of the things we're also seeing with what's happening with weather now. Instead of the heat, instead of things dissipating in a few days or moving on, it's staying longer yeah. than would be normal. So yeah, so over a third of the US population were urged to stay indoors amid record-breaking heat. So more um, than 125 million people are under heat alerts. Wow, that's really insane. Yeah. That is insane. And you've got cities like Detroit and Chicago and stuff setting up cooling centers. So and look, I, I lived in New York in one of the hottest summers on record there at the time. And we used to we used to go to bars because they had air conditioning because we didn't have air conditioning or, or cinemas or whatever. You'd go anywhere you could find air conditioning. But yeah. what they're doing now is that the, these cities are actually having to set up centers with air conditioning to help people stay cool. So they're using public libraries, they're using public facilities to do that because not everybody we have a bit of a myth here we think everybody in the US has air conditioning but they don't yeah and especially as always people in poorer areas don't so so they're having to set up municipal responses to help people stay cool wow that's pretty insane imagine not being able to go outside because of the heat that's where I need to go when I need to like cool off not like physically I mean mentally when I need to like fresh refresh my mind i need to go outside and you don't have that option that's actually like a huge it's dangerous it's actually dangerous to life to go outside yeah it is a huge privilege um so that's that's mad um yeah ironically enough then related to that heat is is the case in texas where their grid when they've seen extreme weather in the past years has been under pressure and it's actually coping quite well this time around because of the amount of solar and wind on their grid so despite Texas uh, being pro-oil, they actually have a lot of renewables on their grid and it's really standing to them in wow. in these extreme uh, conditions, yeah. Yeah, and it's the Texas grid has basically shut down at times um, and, it's, and 
it's because of the demand from air conditioners in Texas when it gets very hot. Yeah. So it is great to see. Hopefully they give the credit to the wind and solar because um, their grid is in, in bad shape. Yeah, and there's water shortages in other parts of the US as well, Anna. Is that right? Yeah, there's major droughts. Well, we the southwest, so where Las Vegas, Phoenix... Nevada, Arizona has been in drought and California have been in drought conditions for years now, but that drought is just getting more and more extreme. And so now what you're seeing as well is extreme wildfires. That's another of the mad things that are going on in the US at the moment. Extreme wildfires over regions that wouldn't have had them before or wouldn't have had them this early in the season before. So again, more examples. Yeah, and, then and not isolated examples like these no. are obviously all connected to one another. Then you've got in Salt Lake City. So Salt Lake City, as the name suggests, takes its name from the Great Salt Lake. And they're now saying that the Great Salt Lake is threatened and not just threatened with getting lower. It's threatened with basically drying up and disappearing. And part of the reason is because you're not getting as much snow in the mountains. It's not getting refilled with with fresh water and then also because the population is growing because people want to live near there the population is growing and it's being exploited so the great salt lake is threatening to dry up god and it's all so depressing i know and then the last thing anna that you meant or last thing related then when you're talking about snow melt is we've seen extreme snow melt accompanied by rainfall in yellowstone national park that has led to um, unprecedented flooding. Yeah, exactly. Yellowstone National Park, which is an amazing national park in Montana and, you know, very beautiful and some real wilderness there. But they, because they've had so much um, rapid snowmelt and so much rainfall, they've had a th- runoff that has just washed away parts of the park. I don't know if you saw the video, but there was a video going around of a park ranger's um, cabin literally getting washed downstream. You're looking at this going, this looks like a little river, but then you realise, no, it's so strong that it's it's washing a house downstream. So parts of that park will be be closed for the rest of the season um, because there's so much damage done between roads, bridges, mudslides... So the whole northern section of the park is likely to be closed for the rest of the season. There was up to three quarters of a foot of water runoff from rainfall and snowmelt, which is similar to the area receiving two to three months of June precipitation in just three days. Um, Wow. And so as well as all those human impacts, Anna, that you've mentioned, like roads and, and houses being washed away, obviously a national park is a huge hotspot for biodiversity. Um, yes. And biodiversity will have been uh, greatly impacted there, uh, really showing the connections, I think, between between the two crises, the dual crises that we're facing at the moment. Yeah. Shall, shall we move? Shall we move to Europe? I assume you've heard you've heard about the uh, extreme hot weather in Spain and France, Kira, have you? Yeah. Of course, I'm always looking up bad news stories. Don't you know me? <laughs> <laughs> um, so cheer us up about Europe, then, Dara. Well, it's it's uh, it's much it's much of the same, um, really, Anna. That we're we're just seeing extreme heat in France and Spain in particular, and Spain has already had an extremely hot May, and now it's unseasonably hot for. 
for June as well. Um, there were temperatures of up to nearly 43 degrees on Tuesday, and there's some talk that temperatures might hit Jeez. up to 50 degrees. Um, wow. And yeah, you in know, parts and of we, Spain. In parts of Spain. And, you know, we know that it's kind of July and August are the hottest months there. So, um, you know, really, really hope they get some reprieve there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and normally you'd yeah, normally you'd expect that June would be very bearable in hot countries in Europe, but it seems like even June now is going to be too hot. Yeah, yeah, and I think there was a there was an article on Earth dot org, and it really I think it really tied a lot of the things we've been talking about this season together, because um, it said the heat wave in Europe will exacerbate drought conditions across the region. Portugal had been classified as being in severe drought since the end of May, while Many parts of France have water restrictions in place, and that could affect crop production and grain yields. Um, and then yeah. it also says, with growing demand for electricity to power air conditioners to cool down, energy prices are expected to further soar in Europe. Um, so I think that really, there are probably two things that we've been talking about a lot this season, food supply, food security, and the price of electricity and how it's affected and how it's connected to to climate change you know so unfortunately we're seeing we're seeing all that we're seeing those connections and we're seeing that all play out at the moment so we'll move on to our not climate story now and i've chosen the not climate story this week uh as the speech that michael d higgins made during the week about housing so at the official opening of jigginstown manor in nace county kildare Michael D. Higgins described housing as our great, great failure. And he said, it's not a crisis anymore. It's a disaster. And the basic needs of the people in the Republic, food, education and shelter need to be met. um, And that these needs should never have been left to the marketplace. He sounded angry, Dara. I mean, when you listen to him delivering that, it's not been delivered in a sort of calm and measured way. He sounded angry and passionate from my point of view, he's, you know, really passionate and just really disappointed in how aspects of the country are failing huge swathes of its citizens. That wasn't really the way it was interpreted by some ministers, though. Uh, some very brave ministers anonymously commented on it in the Irish Independent, uh, saying he just doesn't care anymore and he's more popular than the government, so he just does what he likes. Um, and I just found that <laughs> he I just, just found, doesn't care anymore that's what they said and I just found that so depressing he's um, just doing it for the Instagram likes yeah. Michael D <laughs> but big that's, that's, on Instagram but that's essentially yeah I know that's what they're saying that's essentially what that, that whoever that minister is saying and for me that that means that that's the way they view their career you know they don't actually yeah. care about the substance of the issues they just care about the popularity and about looking good for me that's one of the climate angles of this story if that's the kind of level that our ministers are operating on um caring about popularity rather you know and getting upset when people call out the issues rather than actually tackle the issues but i think they shot themselves in the foot with that response dara because you'd be hard put to find a person in the country who doesn't agree with michael d and who wasn't clapping what he said and I think for yeah. for politicians to respond by being snarky about him saying it, as opposed to putting their hands up and acknowledging we've got a massive problem here, yeah, yeah. that won't gain them any 
popularity yeah, and, and to be fair and to be fair there were some there were some government TDs who did come out and agree with with Michael D and you know and, and put their hands up so to be fair it's not not all government TDs yeah I mean if you're more interested in should he have said it than what he said I think that's a big issue yeah and, and that's the spin that's the spin the government has been trying to put on it to undermine him yeah and but that's that's another that's another climate link for me is that you know should he have said it was he going beyond his remit when it comes to the climate crisis a lot of our systems a lot of our conventions aren't fit for purpose so we do all need to go beyond our remit and we do all need to to kind of you know put our heads above above the parapet a bit and and push the push the limits of our influence and really try try our best to get action on that so i think that was another thing for me that i really saw a parallel between the crisis the parallel i would also take from this the positive i would take from this just after going through our last reel of depressing stories is that there are people it can be easy to become really really not disillusioned but feel kind of disenchanted by politicians but that's what Michael D is he's a politician and he is someone who is actually doing something different and he is showing leadership and that should be something I mean that's the one little piece of hope I have to take from today's call from today's recording before you leave me crying no I think that that's that's a great point (laughs) Kira and our presidents have been great. Mary Robinson is a world leader on climate change and has been for probably 20 years now. So, and they are, they're both using the position that they have and the, the exposure that they have to raise the issues and, and great. We need more of that. Yeah. So good job, Michael D. Good job. I'm sure that means a lot to him coming from me. <laughs> um, so before we finish up our news roundup, Anna, you have a little idea. Uh, to close off the to close off the season yeah so I was thinking about this and actually I, I was speaking to one of our loyal listeners who said they really like our news roundups because it saves them having to look at all the news um, so having depressed all our listeners now I was thinking that just to finish the season it might be nice for us to think about what would be some if we were to come back here imagine in five years time and we have some good news to share. What are the headlines that we would like to see in five years' time that would share that good news? And so imagine a news roundup. We're all very happy because things are going really well. What are the headlines we could imagine? Dun, 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 dun. Em, do you want to go first? I'll go first. Go, <laughs> Kira. So my headline is actually a bit of a human interest story. And it kind of harks back to something we've been talking through about throughout this season and something which has deeply affected me, BP. So my headline is how BP's female CEO, Anna Pringle, <laughs> transformed the company. And my subheading is the Donegal native shows her predecessor what it really means to be all in, air quotes, by ceasing all investment into fossil fuel projects, redirecting the company's finance exclusively into renewable energy projects and donating 50% of all profits to help restore biodiversity projects around the world. And I went with 50% because I'm living in a realistic world and Anna is a massive capitalist. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, uh, where do I apply? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bernard, you're out of a job. Bye. And how do we follow that one, Jesus? Well, I have I have one from we put this into our into our podcast WhatsApp group and and Rob or sound engineer, producer or composer, um, Rob <laughs> Rob said new low carbon agricultural policy helps bolster local economy, and oh. uh, and I really liked that because that's something that I would love to see happen. Is that if if we put the money into into green agriculture there will be way more jobs in rural ireland and and it could have amazing knock-on impacts so thanks rob for that one um good job rob i when i was thinking about this anna i actually was reminded of the last podcast series i did uh the covid alarm clock where we looked at the parallels between covid and climate change and we rewrote Leo Varadkar's speech that he gave when when they were first announcing uh, COVID restrictions. We rewrote it as if it was about climate change. So um, that is still that is still what I would love to see. Um, you know, government announces emergency climate measures. It's that that simple. You know that they start treating it like an emergency. That's yeah, yeah that's what. I want to see. I think it's what we need to see. Excellent. So, so my one is it's five years time. The IPCC has just released its seventh assessment report. It is seventh, right? Its seventh assessment report. And Antonio Gutierrez takes to the stage to make a speech and announces that emissions are falling. Renewable energy Ooh. has taken over from fossil fuels and Antonio Gutierrez says it's no longer code red for humanity. We are making progress. We're on track for net zero and things are starting to improve all around the world as a result. Go Antonio Gutierrez. Yeah, we're not asking for much, but those would be good headlines. Um, I'm going to help him work on his presentation of that because I, you know, sometimes find his (laughs) delivery a bit lacklustre. I'm like, come on, a bit of pizzazz, Antonio. (laughs) Um, very well, good. Clearly, you have a future in writing headlines, Kira. No doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, great stuff, Anna. That was a brilliant idea. Thank you. Uh, hopefully, our listeners got that. Yeah, thanks, Anna. And it made me feel better. If you would like to get involved in the conversation, do post the headlines that you would like to see on our socials. So, leave us a little comment with the headlines you'd like to see on Twitter at the climate alarm and on instagram and facebook at climate alarm clock that is it for our news roundup for this episode and for the season anna and kira thank you so much it has been a pleasure doing this with you this season thank you dara and anna also still to come we chat to dr elaine mcgoff about antashka we learn about greenwashing from tom spencer anna finds out about not here not anywhere's campaign to keep ireland lng free But coming up next is the Irish Enviro Event Guide.